From the New Media Project at the NYU School of Medicine, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's program, alcohol delamination for recurrent corneal erosions. One thing with this treatment is we have not found anybody have any alteration in their vision. That's another advantage of the alcohol procedure over other interventional, you know, particularly the laser procedure. First this. The Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education requires a financial interest disclosure before any CME activity. Dr. Dua declares no real or apparent conflicts of interest. Do you enjoy the programs you hear in this podcast? Why not contribute to the conversation by calling our listener response lines? Share your expertise about an issue we've discussed by calling. In the United States, dial area code 646 808-0231. That's a local New York number. In the United Kingdom, dial 020-7558-8275. That's a local London number. You can also ask questions of any guest who has appeared on the podcast. Then your question will be relayed to the guest, and your question and the guest's answer will appear on the following podcast. Go ahead. Try it out. It's cool. Like Damocles, patients who suffer from recurrent corneal erosions live in anxiety of sudden and severe pain. And while not quite the same as being run through with a sword, at least Damocles had the ability to opt out. Therapy, which does exist, does little to reduce the patient's anxiety because recurrent corneal erosion treatments often fail months on with the patient no better off than he was before meeting the ophthalmologist. Moreover, some therapies, like superficial keratectomy, are even more painful than the erosions themselves. Now, Harminder Dua introduces us to a new, relatively comfortable therapy that is simple and requires no special instruments. Dr. Dua, by way of background, what is the pathophysiology of recurrent corneal erosions? Well, uh, it's not entirely clear, but there are several theories. And the uh, underlying um, condition really is that the basement membrane adhesion complexes are weak or they are rapidly degraded. And as a result of that, the basal lamina is uh, aberrant, the cells do not adhere to the basement membrane and the Bowman zone as they should, and a portion of the epithelium tends to strip off from time to time. Uh, this can be related to dystrophies of the cornea or it could be related to injury. And there are some predisposing uh, conditions like diabetes, for one, and uh, poor anesthesia of the cornea. What is conventional therapy for recurrent corneal erosions? Well, the, the, yeah, the conventional therapy um, is to start off with uh, artificial teardrops and lubricating ointments at night particularly because most of these patients have symptoms on waking in the morning. Uh, one could put it the other way around to say that most patients wake up with the symptoms, i.e. the symptoms make the patient wake up. When the eye moves uh, and the epithelium strips off, it causes pain. And in such patients, it's always uh, advantageous to put in an ointment last thing before going to bed. A fair, fair proportion of these patients will settle or will be able to tolerate their symptoms with this treatment. 
If that fails, then the next uh, step in conventional treatment is to insert a extended wear bandage contact lens with a high water content. Uh, this has a slight increased risk of infection, but uh, it does uh, act as a barrier between the uh, tarsal conjunctiva and the corneal surface and does not allow the adhesion to form at night and the symptoms are less frequent. Uh, the problem is that these lenses have to be frequently changed and if they are inserted in the presence of an abrasion, which means that if the coronal epithelium is staining, then one has to consider using a preservative-free prophylactic antibiotic uh, medication until the epithelium heals. Now, the normal uh, protocol is to use a bandage lens for uh, three to four months, changing it every two to three weeks. At the end of that, uh, another proportion of patients will uh, be able to have relief from symptoms for variable periods of time. Some may not experience it again for months and some even longer. Others might recur fairly quickly. And it is in this latter group that one then resorts to intervention modes of treatment. And there are a number of different interventions, uh, the simplest being epithelial debridement, wherein you go in uh, with any instrument and take out a large area of the surface of the, the cornea that is defective or is affected by the, the process. Um, anterior stromal puncture is a very useful technique, and I find that it does tend to work well. The problem with it, though, is that it tends to leave behind tiny scars at each puncture site. If the recurrent erosion appears to be in the visual axis, then one may have problems of glare and scattering of light and even some drop in vision with the scars that result from anterior stromal puncture. Um, the next uh, treatment option, uh, not necessarily in sequence, but as an alternative to debridement and stromal puncture is diamond burr polishing. Uh, that's also reported to have good results, and it's easy to do. But uh, one issue with uh, the diamond burr and the stromal puncture is that there is no tissue available for pathological examination at the end of the procedure because it's all sort of wiped away. People have tried also to use YAG laser to the surface of the cornea. I've never done that. Yeah, how is that done? Uh, I, I, I've done all of the other therapies uh, pr prior to the introduction of your novel therapy here um, that, that you mention in the, in the paper and, and that you've mentioned now, except for using a YAG laser uh, for treatment of recurrent corneal erosions. H how is the YAG used? Is the epithelium scraped off and then the YAG treatment done to the surface of Bowman's layer? Well, they're doing it both ways. Some are not bothering to take the epithelium off and are focusing uh, slightly deeper than the epithelium or you defocus posteriorly and then you hit the YAG tissue. I think they are trying to achieve uh, the same effect as one does with stromal puncture. Yeah, so I, and I think that, that's what they're trying to do, and it's just to use a different uh, uh, instrument, and I think it's a bit of a, a sledgehammer to a nut. Yeah, so, so personally, I have, I have not uh, used uh, the YAG, but the latest in the string of procedures was PTK, the phototherapeutic keratectomy, and uh, people have reported very good results with that. 
And in that process, obviously, one removes the epithelium and then applies about five microns worth of laser ablation to the surface of the cornea and allows the epithelium to heal back. And at the time I was doing LASIK surgery, the laser epithelial um, keratectomies, and uh, uh, using alcohol to do the LASIK, I noticed that the surface that one leaves behind is extremely smooth, and perhaps uh, it is really not necessary to do the five microns of laser. And that that was really the the, the trigger for for exploring this technique. Now, backing up slightly, you said that with a bandage contact lens that you typically go for a three to four month treatment period. Where where does that time period come from? Well, it's just from our experience. We, what we found is we started off with a month, and for the number of years we found that people were rapidly breaking down. So we said, let's give it more time. And uh, there will be some who will settle just after a month, but then if they get an erosion, you're back to square one. And you have to start the whole. So, so we found it's usually, you know, a three to four month period is sufficient time for the uh, adhesion complexes to consolidate without being ripped off. And if that happens, then then uh, one one tends uh, to find that the epithelium stays stable for uh, quite a long period of time. When you have patients just on lubricant therapy, do you? instruct them to to uh, use it for the same time period that you would have used for the bandage contact lens, let's say three to four months? No, it's almost indefinite for them. Yeah, What, what happens is that they are never completely free of symptoms. They, there are, um, what, what we tend to do is, is uh, we ask them to keep a record of their frequency of symptoms the duration of each episode and and give it a scale from 0 to 10 in terms of pain or discomfort. And by using these modalities, you find that they move to the left of the scale. Uh, They're less frequent in number of episodes. It's less painful, lasts for lesser durations, but it's never gone away. And the occasional severe episode does occur with all the lubrications that you may try but with a contact lens, it's pretty stable, and they come down to near zero values, and it's not there as long as the lens is in. When you recommend a lubricant ointment, do you recommend a hypertonic ointment for the patient? No, it's just a, just a simple eye ointment. Yeah, I, I don't uh, personally tend to prescribe the, the ointment. And if they have a contact lens in the eye, then obviously we don't use the ointment. It's just preservative-free drops. One of the downsides that you mentioned with the diamond burr is that you're essentially burring into the anterior aspect of Bowman's layer, and that scarring can be seen. Yes, but what, what, uh, it is true because if you if you apply too much pressure with that, then you will get some uh, scarification of the Bowman's layer. And what you know, what we have found that in if you look at the pathology of this process in a number of patients there is a layer of debris. It's either collagenous material or it is uh, cellular debris. We haven't been able to characterize that material, but it looks like the collagen breakdown products between the basal lamina and the basal layer of the epithelium. Uh, it's like having, uh, having an extra mass of material through which the anchoring filaments have to now grow onto the stroma. And, and that's what doesn't allow the epithelium to stick back firmly. 
Now, with with these techniques, you know, with the diamond burr, one may succeed in polishing off a fair amount of this, but one is never sure if one's got all of it out. Whereas with the the, the newer technique, um, and I'm sure with the PTK, although one cannot confirm it because it's all all ablated, you are polishing off and ablating this extra debris which is underneath, allowing the new cells to grow on firm Bowman zone and anchor properly. Can I have you describe the design of the study? Well, the study design is that we we recruit patients who have had um, a diagnosis of recurrent colon erosion syndrome, and we included uh, both patients with trauma and patients with uh, map dot fingerprint, you know, the epithelial dystrophies. Now, we um, included only those patients who had had the conservative measures like lubrication, ointment, and the bandage contact lens, which they had tried for at least three months. If the symptoms had settled with this regime, then they were not included. Those that failed upon these, and we were now going to proceed with interventional therapy, were given the option of having either stromal puncture or uh, the alcohol delamination. Uh, those with central lesions were encouraged to go for alcohol delamination and not for the stromal puncture because we knew for sure that that would leave scars behind in, in the center. So that was basically the, the study design. And we did it as a pilot study initially having only 12 to 14 patients uh, because that's what the, the ethics, the IRB approval was for. And we, it was a consecutive case series. There wasn't a comparison with another technique. It was just the three treatment symptoms on those three uh, parameters that I've mentioned uh, compared with post-treatment symptoms. Can I have you go over what your main outcome measures were? Yeah, the main outcome, outcome measure was uh, relief of pain in terms of uh, its frequency of occurrence, the intensity and the duration uh, from zero to whatever it might be. But we, we were looking for these three things in these patients following treatment. How did you define recurrences for the purpose of this study? Yeah, what we said is anybody who had uh, a painful episode for one month after treatment, uh, we for the first one month, because... Um, we knew there was a large, a variable area of coronal epithelium that is still healing, that um, different people responded differently and the healing was slightly different. We kept that period of one month uh, and uh, we had, uh, in some patients, also found that there was, at least I think one or two in the study, where there was uh, an episode of recurrence at that, uh, during that period, the first one month. But after one month, despite having had a recurrence two or three weeks after the treatment, without any further treatment, uh, these people tended to settle. So that's why we gen- we took the cutoff point as one month. And uh, we very carefully monitored, you know, we had a sheet where the da- daily marked their pain score or recurrence if they got any. How did you define the area to be treated? Yeah, the area to be treated was fairly straightforward. We uh, put some fluorescein in the eye, and we looked for positive and negative staining. And you'll find that the area of epithelium, which is 
abnormal or loose, if you like, or not firmly attached, will stand up as negative stain within which there will be an area of erosion which is positively staining with fluorescein. So we decided to treat the entire area of negative um, staining. Dr. Dua, can you walk me through one of these procedures? One of these treatments. Yes. Um, What we do is we apply, uh, of course, we take a patient's consent. It's done with the patient lying down using an operating microscope or uh, as an outpatient procedure in the treatment room of our uh, office. Um, We apply a local anesthetic to the surface of the eye, and then a wire speculum is placed to keep the lids apart. Um, having already identified the area to be treated on a diagram, we then we take an optical zone marker. That's what we use. And anything from a four millimeter, four and a half, five, five and a half, up to six millimeters diameter of optical zone marker is then applied on the surface of the corneal epithelium, uh, firmly pressing down on the cornea, but not too hard, just, just firmly so that it's not leaking from underneath. And then a drop or two of uh, 20% alcohol is placed in the zone marker with a fine syringe. The alcohol that you're using is ethanol? Is ethanol, yes. Well, we actually, we can actually buy it commercially where it comes as an 18% solution, or you can take absolute ethanol and just mix it together in a syringe to give you 20%. It's very easily done. And, and, and we used water to dilute it, not the BSS. Uh, but you could use either. Um, and, and then you put uh, two drops just so that the bottom of the zone marker is completely filled in with the solution. And you wait uh, between 30 and 40 seconds. Uh, we tend to, uh, you know, uh, that's, an, that's an error in counting. Sometimes you can find that it's 30 to 35 seconds. And at that point in time, when the count is done, we put in a dry sp- swab, you know, one of these uh, spears, yeah, like a cellular sphere. Cellular sphere, that's the one. Yeah, you, we, we place it inside the lumen of the zone marker to absorb all the alcohol, and then we take the zone marker away and wash the surface with BSS, and then uh, with, uh, with a crescent blade uh, or another dry sponge, cellular sponge, you gently tease the edge of the circular mark that is now made on the surface of the cornea, and the loose epithelium comes away quite nicely. It almost comes away like a, like a epithelial rexus, uh, circularly along the treated and untreated area. And we just peel it backwards, uh, and then it comes as an intact sheet. So one can then lift that, float it in, in, uh, in BSS, and then take it on a piece of paper for histological examination. But uh, we keep it aside in water, and then we, we deal with the eye. We wash the surface again, uh, place a bandage contact lens on the eye and prescribe the patient uh, preservative-free. We get chloramphenicol drops. That's very commonly used in the UK, but um, uh, we could use uh, any antibiotic and also an artificial tear preparation. But the bandage contact lens is kept in the eye for a duration of two weeks. At the end of two weeks, it comes out. Um, the lubrication and antibiotic uh, is continued. Um, for a further week. The antibiotic we stop at the end of three weeks or a month at the most, but the lubrication the patient continues with as as the patient feels necessary. Uh, some stop it early, some continue with it, 
but the large number of patients have actually come off it. Now, and I'm saying large number because this study that we have published uh, is for, I think, 12 patients, but we have now completed a two-year follow-up on 20 more patients on a prospective study, and we've had only one recurrence in those two years for those 20 patients. That's marvelous. Yeah, and one thing to bear in mind is that um, it, it's something that has been reported, uh, and I'm going to speak to some of our Russian colleagues, they are pretty sure about this, that uh, a number of patients with recurrent erosion have herpes simplex uh, infestation or infection at some point. And uh, one of our patients who recurred, we then went on to treat him with uh, other modalities and eventually he, grew, he showed a dendritic lesion which grew HSV. So that has happened on a couple of occasions now. One of the patients came with... Um, quite uh, some stromal edema uh, a couple of months after the treatment and we thought was this alcohol damage but it turned out to be a typical disciform keratitis which he evolved into so one has to bear in mind or watch out for the herpetic eyes which uh, may come back or may masquerade as recurrent coronal erosions how does the alcohol work? Well, the, the interesting thing is it's, uh, it's uh, like the LASIK. We had a paper in IOVS that we published, and others have also published one or two papers. This is going back, I think, two years. And what, what happens, uh, to my mind, is that the, the alcohol opens up the desmosomal attachments between cells, so the intercellular connections. It's like I give the analogy of pouring water on a pile of rocks. The water doesn't go through the stones, it goes in between the stones, right to the bottom. So this alcohol makes its way not through the cells, but in between the cells, opening up the desmosomal attachments down to the basal layer and actually loosens the epithelium uh, right through a cleavage plane in the basement membrane. And if you look at where the, you know, the lamina denser of the basement membrane, that's actually split in two. So one part of the basement membrane stays behind where the rest comes off. And when the rest comes off, it takes with it all the debris that is collected anterior to it. And I think that's what is the key. It leaves behind a very smooth surface uh, on which the new cells can grow and anchor firmly. And this, this is, an, an, and that's that's why you you will see that um, the, uh, our study we, sh we showed between 30 to 70 percent of the cells in the sheet are viable. Um, so the alcohol doesn't kill all the cells, and probably that's how LASIK works to some extent. Some cells are viable, and uh, maybe they are all replaced by new cells even in the LASIK procedure. But the epithelium stays intact; it doesn't disintegrate. Uh, for for a few days uh, or weeks. So some cells must be keeping uh, some of the viability intact. And I think that's how this works, uh, even in this uh, these patients with recurrent erosion. Apart from this study, what do you do in your own practice when one of these patients comes in? Yeah, personally, I always try the conservative measures. I tell the patient that this is what we would naturally do first. But they say that, oh, we've tried it all and I don't want to go with anything else. We want some definitive treatment. I just offer them the alcohol delamination. I don't uh, uh, offer a stromal puncture anymore to these patients. 
One one other thing one one has to consider is that if you're looking at patients with map dot fingerprint dystrophy, one has to warn them that uh, the erosion could occur at a different site away from the site that was treated. And because of the underlying pathology, it may come back. But having said that, we have a number of uh, patients with this dystrophy in our combined uh, 32 patients in the two studies, and they haven't had recurrences yet. That's exactly what I was going to ask you next. Do you tailor your therapy based upon the etiology of the recurrent corneal erosion? For example, would you treat someone with MAP.fingerprint fingerprint differently from someone who has erosions secondary to some prior trauma? Uh, no, I wouldn't. I, at, this, at this point in time, I'm not making that distinction uh, in terms of the treatment. I would offer the treatment to both. But I do uh, tell them, I warn the patients with the map dot dystrophy that there could be a recurrence. But having said that, they are the people who are more likely to have this debris accumulated underneath the epithelium than the trauma patient. Also in the trauma you see, and if you look very carefully at the epithelium of these patients, you'll see there are some tiny little cysts, and there are tiny tiny, uh, inclusions of some kind in the epithelium, uh, even in the trauma patients. So if the conservative mode of treatment has not succeeded, then we would go on to offer them alcohol delamination and do that. One thing with this treatment is we have not found anybody have any alteration in their vision. Now, if if you're going to do PTK, um, and if you're going to do PTK in the central areas, then you will induce a hyperopic shift. That's another advantage of the alcohol procedure over um, other interventional, you know, particularly the laser procedure. And if you have to repeat laser, you might end up putting the patient through more elaborate treatment, but also eventually leaving him significantly hyperopic compared to what they started with. Um, So that's uh, that's one other uh, consideration. Um, Long term, you know, we're still uh, waiting to see. We we finished our two studies for which we had the IRB approval. The second study, we have still four patients we're trying to recall to complete our long-term follow-up, and then uh, we would like to publish that one. But uh, we now have the approval to use it and offer it as a routine treatment uh, outside of a study protocol, which is what we're doing now. Also, can I acknowledge uh, a couple of other persons? I would like to acknowledge uh, Dr. Dev Raj, Ruby Lagnado. They are the two uh, people uh, who have helped me with this uh, study, and they are both authors. They are the second and third author on this paper. And, you know, Professor Jim Lowe, he is uh, a pathologist, uh, is an electron microscopist, Trevor Gray. They are very, very helpful with the pathology and processing of the samples. Dr. Dua, thank you very much. You're welcome. You have a good day. Harminder Dua is chairman of the Division of Ophthalmology and Visual Sciences at the Queen's Medical Center in Nottingham, England. His paper, Alcohol Delamination of the Corneal Epithelium, an alternative in the management of recurrent corneal erosions appears in the March 2006 issue of Ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. Dua or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines in the United States dial area code 646 
808-0231. In the United Kingdom, dial 020-7558-8275 or Skype JYoungMD. Those numbers can be found on our website as seenfromhere.com. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.